you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. Bibles tonight, I'm going to take you to the book of Matthew, the ninth chapter, and I'm just going to read two verses. I'm going to preach to you for a bit tonight. A few moments ago, as Dylan was here in the pulpit and leading us in prayer and was dealing with the spiritual man. The Lord quickened the thought to me, and I recognize what God was doing. I didn't until that moment actually fully understand what the Lord was doing in the service tonight, but I sense and know. So we battled through some spiritual things a few moments ago. We battled through some spiritual things. And the Lord has given me a word tonight, and I, I understand there is, I would a whole lot rather deal, let me just say it like this, I would a whole lot rather, as the pastor, I would a whole lot rather deal with spiritual things than deal with carnal or flesh things. Because spiritual things you can pray out, but you can't pray flesh out. Flesh has to be overcome. Because the will of man will overpower what God is wanting to do. Because you're dealing with flesh. A few moments ago as we were dealing with some spiritual things, as Dylan was in this pulpit, I sensed, although there was not an earth-shattering noise, I, I sensed a push through and some things in the spirit. And now tonight I'm coming and I'm going to deal with some flesh issues tonight. And the problem with that is you can get angry at me before you leave because you don't like it when I deal with the flesh. And the problem is the more that you don't like it, the more that you need what I'm going to preach tonight. And that doesn't make it any easier on me as a pastor because what I want to do is I, I, I know I've been all mellow with you all morning, 
And I've been all mellow with you all night. We've had all this, oh, we just mellowed our way through. But I long to get back to some Holy Ghost outpouring, foot stomping, hand clapping, apostolic church. I long to get back to where we can rejoice in the Lord and not have to come and weep our eyes out every service. Some of that is not spiritual. Some of that is flesh because it will cost us something to step out of the realm of flesh and step into the realm of the Spirit. But we have to conquer the flesh to get there. So I'm going to talk to you tonight, and I hope you don't leave here mad at me. I hope you leave here loving me tonight. But I'm going to deal with some matters of the flesh tonight because as the pastor and as the leader, I'm going to talk a little bit about culture tonight. You can be seated. You can be seated because I'm just, I'm going to talk a little bit about culture tonight, and I'm going to talk a little bit about our response to what God is doing and response to leadership and response to requests because there's only so much we can do. See, sometimes the flesh and the spirit are connected in, in unique ways, and so there is a slight bridge between the flesh and the spirit. And as a, as a worship leader, as a minister, as a pastor, as a preacher, sometimes that everybody clap your hands to the Lord is more than just we need noise in the building. Because what we are trying to do is transition us out of the realm of the flesh. And so when the church resists, everybody say amen, and about 20 people say amen. That's resistance. That isn't a spiritual battle. You're not under spiritual attack. You're rebellious. Come on, everybody clap your hand, and about 25 people clap their hand. Come on, let's step across the aisle and greet somebody. That's flesh. It has nothing to do with the spirit. It has to do with rebellion to being asked to do what you were asked to do. Now, why is this important in the church of the living God? Here is why it is important. Because until we conquer the flesh, you will never be able to operate in the realm of the Spirit. There is no magical switch that you flip. There is no moment in which magically God reaches down and moves you from the flesh into the Spirit. You have to die out to the will of the flesh and say yes to what God is wanting to do. Well, that's not even my sermon. Matthew chapter 9, verse 37. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. You can stand if you want. You don't have to. Verse 38, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Let's pray right now. Lord, we need your help tonight. I need your help tonight. 
God, pray, I pray right now, Lord, that we can overcome the strong resistance of the, of the flesh that I sense and feel in this room tonight, and that I, we bring our flesh into submission to the will of the Holy Ghost, and that your word can come forth tonight with a power and authority, God, that you minister to us in a way that only you can, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord tonight. The headlines of the Washington Post reads, Worker shortages are fueling America's biggest labor crisis. Nurses, railroad workers, teachers, service workers, and skilled labor are all being affected by a national labor crisis. Exhausted workers are incapable of fulfilling the present needs due to staffing shortfalls. One report claims the U.S. economy came within hours of shutting down because of a standoff between unions and railroad carriers, highlighting just how dramatically staffing shortages have reshaped American workplaces. With more than 11 million job openings and only 6 million unemployed workers, employers have struggled for more than a year to hire enough people to fill their job openings. This drastic, overwhelming mismatch has left employees frustrated and burned out. And this is fueling a new round of, of power struggles in the job market. Some 15,000 nurses walked out of their job in Minnesota a few weeks ago. One healthcare, healthcare workers in Michigan and in Oregon have recently organized strikes. Seattle school teachers called off a week-long strike, delaying the start of this past year's school year. At the center of each of these challenges are widespread labor shortages. Staffing shortfalls have put unprecedented pressure on millions of workers in America. Far too many industries are still struggling to find workers to fill their vacancies. The reasons are complex and very broad. Early retirements, a massive slowdown in immigration, and the outright refusal to work has led to what is known as America's greatest labor shortage in our national history. We have approximately 2.5 million fewer people in the labor force today than we had in pre-pandemic society. The hospitality and leisure industry claims 
that they are in need of 1.2 million workers. Public schools are missing nearly 360,000 workers. And health care has labor shortages of 37,000 employees and rising. Rail and transportation is down 12,500 jobs. One of the downfalls of this new labor shortage trend is that it is creating worker burnout. For those who choose not to sit at home and draw a check, for those choosing to step into the job market, it seems that they are asked to do more work and work longer hours than ever before. It has become a persistent problem across the country. Many frontline workers in retail, restaurants, education, and healthcare who worked throughout the pandemic, often putting their health and well-being at risk, say their jobs are becoming even tougher as labor shortages continue to escalate. Although employers across the economy say that they're struggling to find and keep workers, labor shortages are most pronounced in retail where roughly 70% of their job openings remain unfulfilled. Manufacturing says about 55% of the vacancies that they advertise are left, unopen, are left open. And leisure and hospitality have about 45% of their jobs still open. Many of them only looking not for experience or training, simply looking for a warm body to say, I will work. The American job market is short more than 500,000 workers in the 55 and above age group alone. All of this is staggering. I have given you some amazing statistics tonight. It is unclear whether or when or if many of the people who have left the workforce during or after the pandemic will ever return. Now, this is not intended to be a message about the American economy tonight. But I did come to this pulpit to tell you something that I feel very strongly about. The same labor crisis that we are experiencing in America are the same labor crisis that we are experiencing in the kingdom of God and in the church. If we are not careful the church will lose its edge and we will do so due to labor crisis. There are about 90 churches in Clinton County alone. Many of them have choirs and music and programs and preachers. That, that's why that as a church, Christian Life Church, can't afford to just be average. I appreciate the support of 18 of you. It's up to us to ensure 
that Christian Life Church keeps its edge. As the pastor of this congregation, I can only open the door for new members. I can only create job opportunities. I cannot force the flesh to say yes when we are called upon to respond. So my question for you tonight in the onset of this very difficult message is what kind of church do you want this church to be? Because the truth is it doesn't matter what kind of church I want this to be. It matters what kind of church you want this to be. For 19 years I have preached about the kind of church I want this to be. Yet at times I find us slipping and falling right back in to the same general cycles that we have gone through for about 19 years. It tells me that somewhere deep in the flesh and deep in the heart that we would rather sit at ease and not be employed in what God is wanting to do and have just a little church come and go and be entertained. But I hear the voice of the Lord prodding me tonight to step to this pulpit and risk an awful lot to stand here tonight and tell you CLC has a labor shortage and it's up to you if you're going to allow it just to drift by and go service to service or are we going to step up and make this church the kind of church that CLC ought to be what kind of church do you want this church to be the answer to that question will be the denominator of everything that happens in this church as we move forward. There will only be so long that we can call without response. There is only so long that you can push without getting someone to help you push. There is a point in which every leader reaches that says, I will yield for this to be the kind of church that you want it to be. I make no apologies tonight for calling the church out because we have slipped swiftly into a very cold, lethargic, prayerless church that lacks apostolic worship. Our altars are not empty because of the lack of preaching. To check my spirit and to make sure it wasn't my preaching, I stepped out of the pulpit for multiple weeks in a row and put somebody else in this pulpit with nobody baptized, with nobody on the altar, with no real call to prayer. I make no apologies and preach not out of anger tonight of the flesh, but preach 
move deeply in my spirit as I call this church to get back to work in the kingdom of God. If an easier life and an easier route and an easier way is what this is all about, I'll go sit on my armchair, prop up my feet, see you on Sunday and Wednesday. We don't need a staff. We don't need anybody working. We don't need Bible studies being taught. We don't need evangelism and outreach. We'll just come with our four and no more and patty cake our way. There's a labor shortage in the church. Not just this church. This is a message for the American church. Because I'm not the only pastor. Every pastor I speak with. My phone rings on a constant basis from pastors calling saying I've never seen my church at the point that it is right now. We allowed the scare tactics of the pandemic to push some of us into absences. We disconnect out of fear. We began processes of canceling, stepping back, stepping down. More vacations than ever, more breaks than ever. Missing service over every reason that we can possibly find to miss. And through this, we have lost many. Some by their own will. Some have passed by way of death. And the vacancy is felt so very deeply by all of us. It is time for some new labors to rise up. It is time for some new labors to use your God-given gifts, talents, and abilities to fill the shoes of the vacancies in the kingdom of God and in this local assembly. There is a labor shortage. I came to tell somebody in this house tonight that you can make a difference in the church. While there are many job openings in this church, there are two key areas that I'm going to point in on tonight and I'm going to touch on them and then I'm going to let you go and I'm going to let you think about what I have preached tonight. There are two key areas that I want to just hone in on tonight while I could have chosen many. But for the sake of time, I'm going to talk about the labor shortage in prayer. And I'm going to talk about the labor shortage in worshipers. The problem with prayer and worship is both of them require overcoming the flesh. We can blame it on a spiritual battle, but it's the flesh. 
We can blame it on whatever we want to, but prayer causes us to make a willful decision to move prayer off of the back burner of our schedule and give God what is left or make it a priority and say, I'm going to begin every day with prayer. I'm going to find an opportunity to prayer. I'm going to go to prayer. I'm going to come early for prayer. I'm going to find opportunities to get together for prayer. We're going to have prayer meetings. We're going to get together and pray. I'm going to pray at work. Pray on my car. Pray in my home. I'm going to call my family to prayer. But it requires the flesh to be under in submission and worship. For some of us, worship goes against our grain. It goes against personality. Worship goes against everything. People are going to talk about me. People are going to laugh at me. People are going to think I've lost my mind. It doesn't matter what people think. The Bible, the Lord said that he is seeking such. He's not looking for people with microphones. He is seeking such. Who would worship him? He's not looking for somebody to get up on the platform and and perform, but he's seeking such who will worship him in spirit and in truth. It's time that worshipers rise up and say, this goes against my grain. This goes against my flesh. This goes against my feelings, but I'm in the house of the Lord and he seeks such to worship him. I will not allow my flesh to override the commandment of scripture to worship the Lord thy God with all of your heart with all of your soul with all of your mind and with all of your strength oh somebody give God worship right now I understand where you are and I come with sincerity. And if I open this service tonight offending you, I I apologize for the offense, but I want to tell you tonight, I understand. I know what it is to feel like that you're criticized for being a leader that leads in prayer. And I understand what it feels like uh, to feel like somebody is criticizing you because you step out in worship when you've never done it before. When they're used to seeing you stand or sit uh, or stay silent, uh, but after a message that I preach tonight uh, you make up in your mind and say it doesn't matter what they think about me I'm going to step out of, I know what it feels like uh, but you've got to get the flesh uh, under subjection and look away to Calvary and say I know how he felt uh, so it doesn't matter what they say about me it doesn't matter that they mock me I am going to be a worshiper I know. I just got to make sure I stay in the Holy Ghost tonight. When I first became the pastor of this church, someone who doesn't, who doesn't attend here, I wish they did. They do not. 
they came to me as I began to preach. You can be seated. As I began to preach about evangelism, and I began to preach about winning the lost, and I began to preach about church growth, I had someone get together with my wife and I, and she looked at me, and she said, our church doesn't need more people. She said, all more people are going to do is create more problems in the church. I didn't fuss at her. I didn't yell at her. I prayed for her. But that selfish spirit, that flesh-driven spirit of somebody may take my seat, somebody may take my role, somebody may replace my spot, that selfish, flesh-driven spirit got the best and caused them to lose their eternal soul. I pray for them often that God restores them and brings them back. But when they come back, they're going to come back understanding what a broken life looks like. I come tonight to tell you as we watch people walk in and walk out, we've watched the addicted walk in and we've watched some walk out, but we've seen a few. We've seen a few that have made some changes. Maybe they haven't made it the whole distance yet. Maybe they can't quote the most of the book of Acts yet, but if there's one that we save, pulling them out of the fire. Everything we do to reach a lost soul is worth it. If it's your child, it's worth it. If it's your neighbor, it's worth it. If it's somebody we don't even know, it's worth it. If it's a drug addict, it's worth it. If it's an alcoholic, they're worth it. Because what? is the purpose of the church if we're not reaching the lost. There's a labor crisis. I refuse to be affected by the negative voices of the unemployed that want to tell the employed how they ought to do their job. I'm going to preach some faithful folks happy in this room. You show up. You pay your tithing. You've been faithful to the house of God. Don't let somebody steal your joy. Don't let somebody get under your skin. You keep living for God. You keep serving God. You keep doing what God tells you to do. Probably, I know some of you are about to agree with me right now. I'm going to get the strongest hand clap here in just a moment that I've gotten all night. You know, when you're working, particularly if you've got a little experience in what you're doing, and some unemployed individual comes along, you know, what I would do if I were you, I don't want to know because you're willfully unemployed. Now, I'm going to get real with you tonight. We're at Christmas time, and the phone rings at this church all the time. 
The door is knocked on all the time. The emails and the, the Facebook posts come through. The instant messengers come through all the time. Would you help? Would you help? There are some that need help, and we help those that are in need. I am not opposed. The Bible tells us that we are to help those that are in need. Don't get me wrong tonight, but when I see a well, able-bodied, healthy individual in this job climate that comes, sends his wife to the door while he sits in the car and, and sends his wife to the door with children to knock on the door and say they need gas to get to the next town, I smile and tell them I'll pray for them and they can get down the road because there is a problem when we are honoring people that are not willing to work. The Bible even says, that if a man doesn't work that he's worse than an infidel maybe he has a reason I'll help him if I know he has a reason but I don't want that man coming telling me I've had more people come tell me what you ought to do in the church or what the church needs you know what this is God's church and I'm going to get on my face before the Lord and I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God to speak into my spirit and to tell me what I need and what the church needs because because it's his church. Now for those of you that are employed in the church, I want to tell you that your job is not easy. And here's another sign of the end time. Because the Bible says in the last days, Satan will try to wear out those that just come and sit on the pew. It says the saints of the most high, the elect, the called out, the chosen, that the job of Satan is to wear you out. Now I'm going to tell you how closely related the message I'm preaching to the flesh and the message that I'm preaching to the spirit world tonight is because we get weary and tired in the flesh because we're always called on, because we always have to show up, because we get tired of doing it. And at that moment, the enemy comes in and the old enemy begins to say, they don't appreciate what you're doing. If they did, they'd give you a break. If they did, you ought to just step down. You ought to just step back. You ought to just quit. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That's what will cause you to lose your edge. That's what will cause your ministry to lose its edge. I tell you what you do get behind me, Satan. I'm weary. I'm tired. But my help comes from the Lord. Times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. I'll tell you what I'm longing for. I'm longing to be in a worship service like we was tonight. And some of these beautiful voices on this platform says, you know what? I'm up here tonight and I'm singing, but I gotta have some refreshing. And they'll lay a microphone down and get down in the front and begin to worship and begin to praise because their help comes from the Lord. That's where your strength's gonna come. You don't need to do less. You need refreshing of the Holy Ghost. The enemy will fight you. Be seated just for a moment. The enemy's going to fight you. In Acts chapter 12, 
Now about that time, King Herod stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church. Herod wanted to vex those who were busy working in the kingdom. It wasn't those that are living life on the fringe. It was certain. Do I have any people in this room tonight that are certain? The enemy's going to fight you if you're certain. Mm-hmm. Don't think it's going to be easy. If you're certain, if you're certain of the church, the enemy's going to fight you. We are in a battle with the enemy because he wants to lay hold on and take hostage and vex and harass certain of the church. For some, I want to tell you, I understand fighting against personality. For some of us, it is almost crippling for us to step out of our shell, to step out and beyond our our personalities and that ladies and gentlemen is the vexation of the enemy that's the vexation of the enemy you want to worship but you just can't because the enemy is vexing you he may be telling you you're not worthy he may be telling you that you don't you that you don't have a right to but here's what David said let everything that hath breath praise the Lord praise ye the Lord let me tell you it doesn't matter if this is your first time in this building or if you've been coming here for 55 years when you enter into his gates you ought to do it with thanksgiving and into his courts you ought to do it with praise you ought to give him glory and honor if you're a child or if you're a senior you ought to give him glory and give him praise because everybody has been called to praise God now I'm not dealing with those that simply refuse to respond because this is the kind of church that they want it to be and they prove that by their resistance I can't do much with that as a pastor, I can't do much with that. I'm not going to fight with you. May I remind you that by your response or lack thereof, you are deciding what kind of service we're going to have. By your response or lack thereof, you are deciding what not only what kind of service we're going to have, but you are helping to establish the culture of the church. This is going to be a praying church and a worshiping church. Then you're going to have to example being a prayer warrior and being a worshiper. Because what these young men, thank you for standing on this front row. Thank you for standing tonight and being supportive of your pastor. Because what these young men learn and know, they're going to learn by the example of the men in this congregation, by some fathers in this congregation. I want these young men to be prayer warriors. I want them to be worshipers. The devil wants to intimidate some of you and he wants some of you to think that you're not worthy because you made a mistake somewhere. He wants you to think that somebody's going to laugh at you but I dare some of you to enter into his house and just break forth and say I'm coming to worship I'm coming to sing I'm coming to dance I'm coming to shout because he's worthy So with this in mind, I pose the greatest question of the evening. Really, 
I want you to answer this in your heart. What kind of church do you want CLC to be? I know the kind of church I want to pastor. But what kind of church do you want CLC to be? I'm not going to come meddle with you all the time. But I'm meddling a little bit tonight. And the reason is, is because I love every one of you. And I want so badly for this to be a praying apostolic church that worships. I want them to talk about us and say, that church, it gets crazy down there in that church more than just at the awakening. It ought to be every Sunday. We ought to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. There ought to be regular prayer. There ought to be regular fasting. It ought to be the culture of who we are and what we do. But what kind of church do you want it to be? Because you're establishing your testimony. You are voting with your actions. You are telling God, your pastor, and all the people that sit around you, what kind of church you want this to be. There's a labor shortage. It's impacting the culture of this church. And I came tonight to let the enemy know that we are aware of his plans and his motives. We're not fooled. Satan beguiled Eve, but Adam was not deceived. Neither is the pastor and neither is those that are engaged in what God is wanting to do in this church. We're serving the enemy. The prince of the air can know tonight uh, that CLC's got his number and we understand. And as for me and my house, uh, we're going to be a praying house. Uh, we're going to be a worshiping house. Uh, it doesn't matter what somebody else says or thinks. Uh, I'm going to please the Lord. If the enemy can bind, be seated just for a few more minutes. I only have 11 more pages to go. Oh, you laughed. It's true. I won't give it all to you tonight. If the enemy can bind and harass certain key people of the church, then he can hinder what God is doing what God wants to do because if the overwhelmed the overwhelming masses support one culture and it's greater than the other masses the division of our worship and the division of our prayer blocks unity Because your engagement speaks of your unity. It doesn't matter whether I'm in the pulpit, and I know I appreciate it. I got text calls, people coming to me, Pastor, are you going to ever preach again? I wasn't sure. 
I appreciate all the kind comments. But I'm going to tell you, if there's no amount of preaching, no amount of singing, nothing that I can do to overcome the flesh that resists what God is wanting to do. If the enemy can cause offense, if the enemy can wear you out, if the enemy can use hurt, boredom, weariness, and the words could go on to affect certain leaders. Sometimes all the church needs is a big old smile on about five people's face and the whole atmosphere of this room changes. Some of you are leaders and don't even know it. It just requires you. There's some of you that if you respond, this whole church will respond. And if you don't, you affect a huge swath of the church that's looking. You're saying, what are they doing? Because that's what I'm going to do. Because they're following you. The enemy can affect certain leaders, certain prayer warriors, certain soul winners, certain labors, certain worshipers. If he can affect certain, if he can vex certain, all he has to do is just get a handful. And before long, he has shifted the tide. And it becomes difficult to preach in the environment and difficult to worship and difficult to lead. And it seems like there's tension in the room. Listen, it's time for the church to understand that you are being targeted by the enemy. This is a tactic of the enemy. I'm coming tonight to warn you that this is a tactic that the enemy has used from the beginning. It is antichrist. That spirit of antichrist was working in the church in John's day. It is still here today. Anything that, that, uh, that elevates the flesh over the will of God is antichrist. I declare under the unction of the Holy Ghost tonight that the blood of Jesus is going to overcome every weapon that the enemy is using. The enemy is using sickness in some lives and I declare it in the name of the Lord. I declare the spirit of infirmity to leave this congregation in the name of Jesus. I declare the spirit of weariness and tiredness and boredom to leave and get your hands off of some of the labors of this congregation. The blood of Jesus is against you, Satan. Ah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've got to hurry. We need to unify. We need to unify so that we can establish the right culture for revival. Don't let the church be part of what you do. It ought to be the center of everything in your life. I'm going to say this once, and I hope you grab a hold of it. But you need to let going to church be the reason that you miss everything else. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God. The church ought to be the reason that everything else gets missed. I, I, I want to talk to you about this important place of ministry called the church. Because there's no place more vital than the church. And the atmosphere of this house is so very important. Because even tonight we have guests as your pastor's up here preaching a message to the congregation. If you're a guest here, give me a second chance. I don't always come like this. This place called the church is a hospital to the wounded. It's a cafeteria to the hungry. It's a place of nourishment. It's a healthy place. There's no place any more vital than the church. While the church provides many resources, it is the primary place for ministry. Thus, the church must be more than just called. It must be the house of prayer. And we have a labor shortage in the prayer department. We need some people to take what I'm preaching tonight very personal and take on the personal responsibility of prayer. While preaching is important, we have a labor shortage in our altars. Evident even tonight in this service, as it was more than a mere suggestion of praying with someone, there was a begging and even a command to please respond and pray with someone. While preaching is important, there's a labor shortage in the altar. It tells me the condition of the soul. Although we have a good church, we're not a perfect church. And there are places that we all need to grow. Thus why this message is being preached tonight. Every service when a call to prayer is made, I've noticed there's a labor shortage. Some that just don't want to be bothered, that don't want to be messed with, that wants to go through the motions. Some walk to the front and hide in the corner or look around, not engage, but they walk to the front just to come. But there's a shortage in soul-searching prayer. There's a shortage in ministry prayer. There's a shortage of those who will employ themselves in the work of the altar. One of the hardest, most difficult, and most laborious tasks is the work of the altar. It can't be left for one or two or the preacher or the ministry. This is the real work of the church. Our burden for the lost, our burden for souls becomes evident in our response to the altar. We must show the guests and the new converts that there is something vital and valuable about the call to prayer. Thus, when the call to prayer is made, our response or lack thereof says to everyone, this is not important or this is of utmost importance. 
Every service, we're creating culture. Every service, our response or lack thereof is training the new converts and the next generation. We must value prayer and worship in our assembly. And we must value the ministry of reaching the lost. As I have already stated tonight, CLC, we must not lose our edge. North central Indiana is the untouched harvest field of the Midwest. The fastest growing segment of our state is within driving distance of the four walls of this assembly. Close to one million souls live within driving distance of this very building. We have a labor shortage. I do believe that the doors of opportunity are beginning to swing open for this church. Opportunity for us to minister in ways that we have never experienced before. I do see on the horizon a cloud about the size of a man's hand. I do believe that there is a revival that is imminent that is coming to this assembly. And it's time for the church to rise and prepare for the occasion that is coming to the church. Ministry can no longer be confined with a select few, but God sent this preacher to recruit some new labors in the harvest field because the labors are few. Who will take the initiative? We have a labor shortage. CLC, every city festival should become evangelism events. We have a labor shortage. We need ministry presence in every thing that happens within driving distance of this church but we have a labor shortage. Young people are dying from drug overdose on a regular basis and we have the solution but we have a labor shortage. Suicide is on the rise and increasing and we have the answer but there is a labor shortage. We need to take ministry to our schools. The last count I heard, over 20 schools represented. We ought to have a P7 in every one of those schools. We have the answer, but we have a labor shortage. There are vacancies in the ministry of helps all around this church. We have a labor shortage. Pastor, I don't know how I'm calling you tonight to just blindly say yes to the Lord. Jump in and commit to God to be in part of what he is wanting to do in this church. We can't wait for everything to be perfect and right and have the right strategy to implement everything that we're going to do because culture will trump strategy every time. What that means is, is we must seek to establish the proper culture and then 
we will adapt the proper strategy. In other words, we've had enough meetings on how to. We just have a labor shortage. We need someone to jump in. Stand with me tonight. Don't be confused. It's not just business that God is reaching for. It's not just activity that will bring about revival. It's labors in the harvest field that will bring about the harvest. The law of the harvest says there will always be a return. Some 30, some 60, and some 100. Just because some you minister to backslide is no reason for us to get the idea we should stop. Just because some people walk away from the church doesn't mean that we don't help the next person in need. Just because our ministry is not successful the first try doesn't mean we should stop and throw in the towel and give up. Maybe we should just get back in the harvest field. We have a labor shortage. I wish I could dance like Dylan. But you all know I'm way too white for that. But there's a labor shortage. So my East Texas shout that may make some of you snicker and laugh is going to have to do because I'm going to be a worshiper. We can't allow what we've lost to hinder us from pressing forward. We got a labor shortage. We got to get back in the field. I'm asking God to ignite fresh passion in some hearts in this room tonight. There's some of you that have been called of God. You have submitted and surrendered to that call, but you've allowed discouragement and hurt and offense and weariness to get in the way. I'm calling you tonight. There is a labor shortage. Put it behind you. Make the things right. Whatever you have to do, I stand in this pulpit and open my heart to you tonight. If I've offended you, please come talk to me. I want to make it right. We're on the same team. I want to see you saved. I'm not here to hurt you. I'm not against you. I'm not working against you. We need you in the labor force of the church. Where's our evangelism efforts? Where's our compassion ministries? Our outreach initiatives? Our altar workers? Our worshipers? Our Sunday school teachers? Our kids' prayer leaders? Our Genesis process workers? Our Bible study teachers. There's a labor shortage. But I declare that this church is not under my watch. Under my watch, this church is not going to be defined by our shortcomings. We're not going to be defined by our shortcomings. 
this isn't the kind of church you want, I'll move on and find a storefront somewhere and find some people that want to engage in the labor force. But as long as I'm in this pulpit and serving as this pastor, this church is not going to be defined by our shortcomings. We may have weaknesses, we may have faults, but we are not afraid of temporary setbacks because this church is destined to victory. There are too many prophecies that are hovering over this congregation of revivals that can't fit within the walls of this church, within this building. There's too many many prophecies of, of ethnic revivals that are going to come to this church. There's too many prophecies that's come forth on some of your lives that your family's going to be saved, that your ministry is going to exist, will not be defined by our losses and our shortcomings. But in the name of the Lord, I'm asking CLC the question tonight, what kind of revival do you want this church to be? every church and not every revival is equal there's prophecies over this congregation there's prophecies that are resting in the atmosphere that some of us are going to pray down and worship down I see a revival that is coming to this congregation I see backsliders returning and lost souls coming in my heart to you tonight. Do with this message whatever you feel to do. Respond as God is speaking to your heart right now. Whatever we've lost, we better go back and get it tonight. Whatever we've sat down, we need to pick it back up tonight. Whatever the enemy has stolen, you need to go take it back tonight. Come on, seek the Lord all over this room. This is a house of prayer right now. This is just a house of prayer. Whatever Whatever God tells you to do, you need to do it tonight.
some of our young married couples ought to grab your spouse by the hand and put your knees against this altar right now and commit to God. I'm in this for the long haul. We're in this together. you got to lead this church. Come on, some of you ought to step forward right now. Some of you men ought to lead your wife here to the front of this building tonight and declare we're in the labor force of Christian Life Church. We're on the team. We're engaging in what God's doing. I'm not going to be left behind. I'm going to be part.
some of our elders, some of our women of Zion need to be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now. You haven't stepped out in faith in a while, but God is directing you right now. You ought to step out and pray with that person that God is leading and directing you to pray for right now. It's right. It's in order. This is the season. Let God use you. You ask him to use you. He's wanting to use you right now. Come on, let's be sensitive to the Holy Ghost right now.